You're listening to High Shelf Gaming. High Shelf Gaming is a podcast where David and Rich discuss tabletop gaming. Everything from board games and role-playing games to gaming conventions. They provide reviews, strategies, tips, and house rules to enhance your gaming and convention-going experience. Hey everybody, we are back for another segment of DM Daddy's Dads Who DM. <laughs> Hi, Daddy! <laughs> ah, consent must be enthusiastic and constant. Moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> Look. If they're asleep, they cannot drink tea. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. I don't know how many people get that joke, but I know me and you get that joke That's right. from one day That's... on one of our conversations yes. about consent. And I think you yes. sent me that video and I was like, this is genius. This yeah, is so it genius. It breaks it all Yeah, we're down. not going to get into this one because it doesn't necessarily fit all of our shared experiences. But I shared that with my oh, yeah. young alchemist. Back in oh, the day, when yeah. she was growing up, I remember sharing that video with her and being like, this is it. Yep. Every boy you date should watch this video. Well, okay, you say, you say that this is not a shared experience. It is a shared experience, okay? Because oh. my little my little ranger is able to go up and give people hugs and wants to desperately. He's a, <gasps> oh, he's a, he's a lover God. of nature and in, in, in the world. And I'm like, hey. He laid his hands on me at Gen Con, and I yep. regained – Five hit points that are actually boosted my charisma by five. <laughs> Was he a bard then? Is he a paladin? I'm not... I don't know what he is at that point, but yes. rangers can do uh, some kind of spells, can't they? Sure, can't fifth it. edition rangers? They can. Can't everybody can. do spells in fifth edition, at this, Dave? At this point, at this point, everybody has powers beyond beyond recognition. So, <laughs> so, all right, yeah, like, okay, let's talk about this, dude. It's wild out here with these young kids. Okay. One, we have to teach them about these same concepts of uh, ask before you give hugs, right? Ask before you give hugs. Don't just tell your name to everybody. Don't give them your true name. Don't give them your true name. That's how you get power word kill cast upon you. Just don't. There's that, right? And the other piece, the other piece, this will blow your mind, Rich. Our kids are instructed that we don't keep secrets. There are no secrets in our household. There are surprises, surprises are things that you're eventually going to share them like a present or a cupcake or something along those lines but to keep it safe when we're out adventuring no secrets because secrets can be used to harm your player characters and this is like a whole thing that i've been learning about in terms of like dude your gamification in life with them you're totally this is these are great concepts dude no secrets no secrets yeah, no wow. secrets from the GM, right? No secrets from the GM. <laughs> yes, you and your co-GM taking care of business with your two with your two PCs. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah, is it is it okay if we refer to them as player characters? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. Good. Just yeah. want to make sure that that because this whole world's a simulation, but that's another episode for another day. Word. That's a whole ass episode, yeah. not just a segment, not yeah. just us being DM daddies, daddies yeah. or DM. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, that is a beautiful idea. And it does somehow correlate to the stupid comment I made earlier. I mean, I, it hey, is we'll get there. And, and it's gonna serve you well. Yeah. That to me is phenomenal advice. I just remember trying to scare the shit out of my kid. You know, don't oh, go yeah, here in constant sh- vigilance. If you ask them what constant vigilance is, that's that was my term. I taught them constant vigilance. You must always be vigilant. You got head on a swivel, kid. Stay frosty. And I just played too much Call of Duty when that was yes. out. My God. And you know, oh. oh man, yeah, exactly. Like, okay, that stuff, right? Got to start it early. Got to start it early because, dude, what's wild? What's wild and gross is that, like, that, like four to ten range is like is like a dangerous age you know and so yeah gotta have all the tricks and have all the tools to be like no 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 you don't you don't keep secrets from mom and dad and uh and her code gm and gm uh you 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 let us know surprises are okay because that was a thing man like around our birthdays you know, I had something for my wife for a gift, and, and he was like, but that's a secret. It's like, no, 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 it's a surprise. She's she's going to get to see it in like a day or two. So it's not a secret. It's a surprise. And so that's what, that's the, that's the lesson there is no secrets, but surprises are okay. 
You know, that's like the time I saw my dad with the neighbor wife, you know, the neighbor <laughs> lady. And he said, shh, shh, it's a surprise. But I don't think he ever told my mom about it. I don't know. I'm teasing. Never happened. Scratch that. My family never listened, so we're totally okay with that one. Yeah. But dude, I love that idea a lot because I've, I never, we never contemplated the idea of secrets and gifts for someone being surprises. And surprises yep. have the end that yes. you always tell someone. So a surprise never lives for the rest of your life. Right. It's only until that's that gift or that idea or that party or that event is actually shown to everybody. Boom, David. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. That's right, cool. DM, that's DM Daddy approved. That's some hot <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> that's a good, this is a good, this is a good take. I love it. All right, folks, we're gonna get back to it. Hey everybody, this is David with High Shelf Gaming, part of High Shelf Collective. And tonight, as always, I'm joined with joined with the lycanthrope, Rich. Joined by the lycanthrope. I live to be a lycanthrope. I live that I live in lichens. And all I know is I'm liking some lichens, and you know that I know that you know that I like some lichens. And I think that means this beard of mine isn't just necessarily something that's hairy on me when the moon is full. Did I nail it? <laughs> Look, all right. Okay. Lycanthrope. Yes. Yes. But then yes. you get into lichens and now we're talking about like tree fungus stuff. And I don't know, man, I'm, it's, right. it's, it's like different now. <laughs> Dude, hold on. Let me, let me pull my pants down. I'll show you some fungus. No, no. All right. So, Hey, oh, everybody, okay. sorry, sorry. Have joining us tonight is um, <laughs> before it gets off completely off the road, uh, joining us tonight, returning. Scott, aka Zorn, Zorn. On a bunch of our actual plays. Scott, I don't back. know him by Scott. I only know him by Zorn. Yes, I've come to the podcast one more time. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, you've brought a good friend and co-creator, uh, Stuart. Stuart, welcome to the show, my dude. It has been like fifteen seconds. I'm already scared, Mom. I need you to pick me up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I oh need my an adult. god, bro. Yeah, you. If you, you said knew the how right many words. of our games went like. I need someone to help me right now. Yeah, <laughs> you are you are totally in the zone right now. Blink if blink if you're under duress. Just just blink. <laughs> Dude, he has every camera on. We can't. Yeah, I know we can't tell. We okay. can't tell. Yeah, you okay. can't see, but I'm repeatedly blinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is scary. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. You're in the right frame of reference because the first thing we want to know, Stuart, uh, hey, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about this game that you're putting together, um, and we're going to talk about Gen Con. And we're going to talk about werewolves, but the very first thing I want to talk about. Where is, did you start, baby? Yeah. Let's talk about where who you are as a gamer. Where'd you get your... Where'd you, where'd you pop your, that RPG cherry? That's right. Oh, God. Talking about myself. That's my favorite topic. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I'm not, right. not well, going to argue here. with you. I won't twist your arm. So, yeah. Uh, so, my, my background here, I, I think probably like most people in the tabletop RPG world, uh, I got introduced to D&D &D first. <laughs> Yep. Do I put a dollar in the D and D jar? Is that the rule? Yes. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, Damn so Stuart, let's now no. let's now try and zone in on your age. What was your first D and D revision? Oh man, can can you just guess it based on what I've said? It, do you, I'm your going points second, for guessing. I'm going second edition. I'm going Ooh, through five. I'm going to go three, three five. Yep, that's it. Oh, three five. Three five. Yeah, dude, yep, that was okay. It. That was during the revival. During the revival. Yeah, that was a yep. really good revival too. Yeah, some really op shit going on during three five. Yeah, three five right. was interesting. So, yeah. Here's, here's here's the problem. Here's the problem I have with everything you just said, Stuart. Is uh, we <laughs> we have this running tally of how many people started D and D baby D and D versus um, White Wolf games, and I thought for sure. He's coming on to talk about his new werewolf game, Hunters of the Occult. Surely he started the werewolf like I did. <laughs> God dang it. Dang. One can hope, but you can't argue with the market share. I mean, D&D &D just owns yeah. it all, right? By default, you if you've you never can't. heard of you it, can't. you just you know D&D, &D and that's yeah. how you get into it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So uh, so when did uh, – talk about, talk about like you got into D&D. &D. Was it like college, high school, a parent – yeah, uh, so Random to date Strangers myself a little bit in the 3.5 era, uh, some friends of mine would play, well, a bit more seriously than I did, and we did some uh, extremely casual games right around as I was starting college, uh, mm. thereabouts, right? 
And uh, I mean, even though most of these games with my very close friends, my childhood friends even, were uh, very disorganized, extremely casual, I, I still think I was just like completely enthralled by the tabletop RPG format, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you get exposed to, the, to this unparalleled open-ended freedom for your characters to do anything you can imagine. And it's such yeah. a breath of fresh air compared to say like video games or yeah. board games or anything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the like open world freedom of like, of like your creativity meets your friend's creativity yeah. at the table is just really magical. Yeah, well, when you're new, it's like, oh, can I, can I like climb on top of that building and damn, goes, dude, you can do whatever die. you want, just yeah. roll for it. It was like, wait, wait, I'm not limited by Perfect. some like programmammer's ability to like path me up a building. Like, I'm not. Yeah, it's, in that it's a way. mindset change. It is yeah. a complete uh, untraining of habits you pick up from more traditional games that have such rigidity to it that you just you just assume that's normal. And oh, you, I think I think it's what an interesting box. take. That is a great take. I've never really heard anybody kind of put it that way on our show before. That there's this rigidity on how linear games go in video right. games. You got to go to this quest. I mean, we all played Final Fantasy. You got to do this. You got to do this. And yeah. whoa, Dave, did are you about to say you never played Final Fantasy? I've played the shit out of Final Fantasy. Okay, good, good. Which Final Fantasy? Okay, yep, yeah, that's a fair question. Implying fair it question. matters? Come yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. I started with oh, seven. Oh, it does. It does matter. I started I'm curious about this too. And then I went back to five and three. Oh, you did seven first. I did Sheesh. seven first. Oh, and you went back to the old ones. Good call. Yeah. So yeah. my high school, my high school roommate had all the Final Fantasies, and he told me that five and three were the good ones. Yeah. So I went and played them, um, and then uh, I think I tried eight, and I didn't really dig on it as much. No. Eight so. was a kind of a drop after seven. Did you do Chrono Trigger at all? Yeah, Zorn, I, Stuart, I did, did I you all do Chrono Trigger? Not, not me. Yeah, no. Chrono Trigger. It's worth yeah. it. Well, I started my first Final Fantasy game was Final Fantasy. Oh, one. Yeah. Oh. Damn. Damn, dog. Back before it was called one. Very nice. Wow. Yeah. Now, I, uh, well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I will say my favorite Final Fantasy is Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, I like that game. No, that's the wrong answer, but okay. No, I kidding. like that game. <laughs> that's not, I didn't say it was the best. No, Final, I said it was my favorite. Final Fantasy, right? yeah, no, 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 you're right. You're right. No, Final Fantasy Tactics is actually pretty good. It is. You know, mine got stolen because um, it was like the disc. Did Stuart take it? Yeah, the the disc was like selling for like 130 bucks or something because I think they only did a limited run of it or something like that. And I look when in college, I didn't know the most upstanding human beings. And uh, one day my Final Fantasy Tactics disc was missing. And so I'll never know what happens to my level 30 squire um, because I never actually got to finish it. But my coats were looking at you right now. So we have something in common there, Dave. When I was in, when I was a sophomore, I borrowed Final Fantasy VI from a friend, <gasps> and I played it, and then I brought it back and went to go give it to him at lunch, and it was not in my backpack, and I was like, "Where'd it go? Where'd it go?" I thought I had lost it, and. You know, I had he was like pissed off. I had to go yeah. to my mom and be like, hey, I lost this game. She's like, how much was it? $70, you know, brand new. She was pissed at me. Yeah. I got in so much trouble, but I had yeah. to buy the game, a new game. Senior year of high school, the last mm, two months or whatever it was, one of the guys from my sophomore year who ate lunch at our table came up to me and gave me Final Fantasy VI and says, hey, man, a couple of years ago, I stole this from you, and I'm sorry, and gave it back to me. Kick him in the nuts. <laughs> Just a little payback. Just a little nut tap. Just a little... Every now and then, you do something wrong, you deserve a little nut tap. Just, yeah, I, just, I mean, you can do it with a punch. Or you can just do a little. I, I just thought it's funny because you have a somebody stole your Final Fantasy game story, yeah. and so do I. So. Oh, my God. Anyway. No, mine never came back to me, but... I'm glad yeah. that yours did. And that person yeah. like sought some form of redemption. Like, that's good. Okay, yeah. I gotta I gotta clear all this up. So, Stuart, after playing DD, did you ever play Vampire the Masquerade or any of the wolf games? Ooh, okay. So 
confession, I haven't. But oh. I, yeah, I, I do have a friend who is pretty familiar with those, and he's he'd been meaning to get me into it. But uh, of my circle of friends, I'm usually the forever DM, <gasps> and so yeah, yeah. yeah I, like I gotta really be sold in a game to take up something new, right? And I uh, just never got around to Vampire. I yep. still play Redbox D and D because I'm a forever DM. Yeah, you I, are. I it's, it's, not only you're a forever D and D. You stopped being yeah. literate after like second edition came out. Like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to. But I, I'm also book. a massive narcissist, so it works out. Oh, me and you both. <laughs> Stuart, are you coming <laughs> to PAX? Are you coming to PAX um, Unlimited? Unplugged. What's unplugged. what's the one Pla- in Philly? PAX Unplugged, my dude. <laughs> PAX Unlimited. Are you coming to PAX Unlimited in Philly? Oh, oh no, I, I want to, but I don't know if I'll be able to. I have a lot of travel plans already. Okay. Yeah, like for if the, you do, for, like, we're all showing up. Yeah. Let us know. We're yeah, all showing up. Yeah. yeah. PAX Unplugged is looking to be a pretty big deal for little HSC. That's gonna be good. Yeah. Sorry yeah. late. Oh, quite sorry. We just we just came off of Gen Con. Stuart, did you go to Gen Con? I could not make it to Gen Con. Oh. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. But but Zorn, Scott, you did. I saw Zorn. I saw. I was there. You I played, was in, the, I in the street. Fest. I was on the street and I saw Zorn. <laughs> we were, dude. We're for the streets, Rich. We're, Me and you, we're for the streets. That's right. Yeah. And we met. We did see each other first thing in the street. Well, it was how, on the sidewalk. To be honest with you, it was on. The how sidewalk. was your How was your Gen Con, Scott? Did you get it any was, of those like crazy, creepy DMs that a bunch of people were getting? No, no. That's, nobody, that's good. Nobody DMs me ever. That's good. <laughs> um. So I, uh, I had a good, I had a good, uh, I had a good Gen Con. Um, my travel was horrible both ways. Oh my but God. Being there was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I can't complain. How yeah. about Charles? Dude, it was so fun. Like we didn't have any travel problems coming from the East, but it was, it was just a really good show. Like, yeah. The dealer hall was fun. Getting to see the whole crew Dude, again was really fun. I hadn't it seen people great. in three years. I don't even care if we just hung out in one hotel room yeah. and played yeah. two games over four days. I was so happy to see people. Yeah, yeah. I think the last time I saw you, Rich, was uh, January PAX. of 2020. Yeah, yeah we did PAX uh, South. PAX yeah. South, that's right. That's and that right. was and- it. And, and I then, think the last time I saw you two was in Gen Con 2019. 2019. Oh, wow. Oh, I can't believe I missed you guys at PAX South. That is one I went <gasps> to. It's Stuart, actually, how did I think that in happen? 2020, right before COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I was, yeah. I was the, there. Yeah. We, we like collaborated. We had a big HSG banner for the gaming section there and all that good stuff. Man, Scott, do you still have that banner? Is that like, is that like, lighting? I do. It's in my closet. I could, ah, I could. Ah. I mean, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in Dallas for for ReaperCon. Maybe I can give oh it to you. Oh my god, that's Rich. like in like a week. It's in three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's you really should close. Go. You should go, dude. I'm not. Too, I need to look and see if I can go. I need to check it all out. But the Denton? minimum, we're gonna go to? get a bite to eat. Oh yeah, yeah, sounds good. At a minimum, we're having drinks and a food, so yeah. that's gonna Do, happen. Is it in Denton this year, ReaperCon? It's in Denton every year. I think it's every year because they're west. They're kind of west of 35, if I'm not mistaken. I've been to ReaperCon a couple times. They're really Um, cool. Especially when they ran Hackmaster. Oh, yeah. I'm running. Their their minis are great. And they uh, they sponsored us in one of our charity events early early days when we first started doing charities. They're they're just a great company. Yeah, I'm going to be there running Merkborg. um, Our last Kickstarter we just released. I'm going to run some Junction City, which was our last, last Kickstarter. And then um, I'm going to be play testing some some stuff I've been playing around with. So you got a place to stay already, right? Yeah, I, I I'm going to be staying in the hotel that the okay. convention's in. Just checking if you yes. never need a place up and you know Aww. give me a shot. Stuart, Aww. not to dox you, but not to dox you. But where are you out of? I I'm also out of San Antonio with the Storywood oh. crew. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Very very boys. Cool. So very. you guys hang out like IRL. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so long since people hang out IRL. That's right. <laughs> Imagine, like, right? Like seeing humans in person with your yes. eyeballs. Like, it's yeah, like not allowed. <laughs> I moved away from Rich, and I have never gone outside to see friends since. I just come yeah. here to video calls so I can hang out with Rich and my friends. I know. Aww. So, 
Okay, we have way digressed into let's all have feels about conventions because let's really be honest. We just got into Gen Con and we're all in Gen Con blues, right? Yeah, we're it's all true. in Gen it's Con true. blues I'm, right now. I'm feeling sad. But we're kind of here to talk about Stuart and what's yes. going on. Yeah, because you guys are doing you. You are in the middle. You're in the throes of a Kickstarter right now. Another for, Kickstarter for Hunters of the Occult. Now this is your game, right, Stuart? Like you came up with this like werewolf themed uh role-playing game right yep that is exactly right so this is a brainchild of mine as of uh maybe a year or so ago perhaps an idea i've been toying around for longer but more formally in the past year and uh i i know uh, another one of the storywood guys personally and he clued me into what they do and uh, that that's how I got connected to kind of get the ball rolling for the Kickstarter campaign. And, and I probably should clarify, I guess it's not werewolf specific, but, you know, the classical monster genre, your vampires, werewolves, zombies. Kind of a Van Helsing all that good stuff. type thing. That's exactly like, what I'm going for. Yeah. yeah, not to get ahead of myself a little bit, but no, if, no. if you've ever seen that early 2000s movie Van Helsing with yeah. Hugh Jackman yes! and all that, 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 is, yes! that is like exactly the vibe that I'm going for here. Uh, maybe combine it with some elements from uh, The Witcher, from... Um, Bloodborne even, but uh, that like early 2000s Van Helsing criminally underutilized as a setting in my opinion yeah. and there there are some games that flirt with the subject like they they will have monster hunting or they will have Victorian era this and that but uh, the, the combination of them I don't think is done enough personally and I, I'm doing my part to bring it to the forefront. Stuart, yeah. do I get crazy crossbows and do I get like a whole um, vampire kid of that I get to <laughs> would it even be a Van Helsing game yes! if you didn't? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So to get ahead of ourselves just a little bit again, I'll, I'll give you a preview of one of our favorite features, which is that the Monster Hunter characters who are uh, canonically your career monster hunters, I mean, these are mercenaries specifically for monsters, uh, every single one of them gets to create their own customized weapon, which you <gasps> further develop over the course of your career. Yeah, it's like it's like so it like you can absolutely grab you. that crossbow and tack onto it and make it ridiculous. Yeah, that is one hundred percent within the. So at the beginning, I have a wood stake crossbow, yeah. and as I get experience, all of a sudden it becomes a it douses holy water on the stake before it leaves, and it becomes a plus one. And then I have some other crazy mechanic for it that makes it a plus two. Is that kind of the idea? It's kind of the idea, although I wouldn't even say you start off with something as simple as a uh, wooden bolt crossbow. You you start oh. off with at least a little bit of uh, contraptions oh. and customization right off the bat. And so you get to start with just a, a basic creation that you can imagine. And then you make that even more convoluted and ridiculous as you want as you go through your career. Yeah, I That's like it. That's really cool. I, I love the idea of like you're you have a special item, special weapon that that you are in charge of the the destiny of as a player, right? Because a lot of times a player's like, all right, I guess I got to go to the book and buy equipment, and I need a sword, right? <laughs> or right. or I got an adventure right. and I get a plus one, right? Or I defeat someone and I get a, a girdle of hill giant strength or something. I mean, once you get to the girdle of hill giant strength, you've finally gotten into a place that has an interesting name. Right. Yeah. But this this game, you like start off with a named weapon. Yep, that's exactly it. And really, in the world of uh, uh, of characters who are career monster hunters, it, it felt appropriate to say uh, the monster hunting itself can be a form of expression for players. Right. And so what kind of creative outlet can we give those players to that end? And uh, customized weapons just came to mind, was instantly popular. And we've been developing that idea ever since. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So, okay. The the other thing in here that I'm seeing is like a lot of references to like North Norse like runic symbols <gasps> and all of that kind of stuff. Like those are it, not Norse runic symbols. Are those, is that not, <laughs> is there not like a that, Bluetooth? That, is there that, not a Bluetooth built in? First, like that that uh that that radiant symbol is not it no, is not so Norse. that no, that is well, – can, can I, I – I, you can go for it, Stuart. I'm sorry. I oh, know. no. I actually think you might have heard it better because you got it straight from uh, the, the person so, who accepted that idea. Zorn, yeah. Zorn. So uh, do you want me to tell where that idea came from? Yes. Are you okay with that? So ah, – Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, so, this so, sounds like a really drunk night that no one really wants no, to talk no, 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 about. No, no. And it's so, like, do you so really I, want I, me to tell you what happened? So Stuart came with a, 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 a book with a lot of a lot of character to it. 
a lot of like the mechanics and the, the game was really complete. Um, but then when we handed it over to our, our layout, our art director, oh. um, and he was trying to really kind of think about, well, how do I design the feel, the look and feel of this book? Artist. And he started like just kind of researching like the idea of, of symbology, but also like monsters and stuff. And so what he found was a whole bunch of symbols that came from the fort, the 13th, the, the 15th century really? um, that were created by some religious folks that were saying that cool. Kings, King Solomon in the Bible sealed a bunch of demons away. And cool. all of these symbols are Matter. supposed to represent those demons that were sealed away. And that little symbol that's in the key of the logo is actually a, a modification of like the um, the one, the big seal, the seal of Solomon that was like the master key to all the seals or whatever. So, Dude, that is wild. Yeah. They're, the similarities are blowing my mind. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. That's cool. That's cool. So it's like a bunch of like, uh, like almost like Knights Templar type. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And then it's kind of a that that art direction that he started going into. We everybody loved it so much. Stuart loved it so much that we started incorporating or he started incorporating that into the setting of of the of the of the of the game. Stuart, let's be really honest. Did you did you really like it that much? Oh, yeah. This is your moment to be like. (laughs) <laughs> Let me set the record straight. Uh, he's actually 100% correct. Okay. So, yeah, when I, when I was... Giving you the um, out, bro. Just giving you the out. <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, when I was developing the game initially, and before I'd gotten to Storywood, I, I really kind of kept my head low to the ground in terms of what I was focused on, mm-hmm. hashing out mechanics and working out certain details. What do I include? What do I not include? And the probably the biggest thing that I had skipped over up to that point was this higher level overarching lore that ties it in together and creates a space for other gms to to build stories within right mm. and starting from that point of uh, I, I think it's like a demonology collection something like Ooh. that it's like uh, what do they call the grimoires for yeah. for different demons uh, that that really helped uh solidify some of the some of the vision for what we wanted that overarching story to be to kind of connect all the different monster hunting stories together that's awesome that's really cool like definitely you have to have some kind of like like why thread <laughs> and it seems like that's really what, yeah. what came together for you guys is like we know what it is we know how it is but this like contribution from um who's it robert no byron Ruben. oh Ruben. oh by uh byron i see byron. Ruben's yeah. um uh, so yeah, contribution by Byron of like here's here's the thing that like ties these things to like you know our own history and, and our own like lore. Okay, so no one can see this because we're on audio, but we're on video here. So he's telling all these demons, and I went Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and you know did the kiss. Um, if you have demons, sometimes you have to have. Uh, uh, another version of the other side of demons. And I'm just going to say Christianity for our conversation today. Is there that whole idea of good, evil, religion, not religion built into this? Or is it literally just monsters, agnostic kind of a life? That, that's a great question. So canonically, the demons are out there. And you could even uh, imagine the, the church is one of the entities that would uh, be geared towards combating a, a demon presence. But we have not really explored the the opposite side of, say, uh, heaven or angels or anything else. Uh, simply because it is probably outside the scope of what this game is trying to capture. Where it is really more focused on the the characters who are tasked with combating evil rather than necessarily exploring the potential implications uh, of the supernatural outside of that, at least in the scope that we've tackled so far. Look, look, if you want the, if you want the angel hunting game, though, right. If you want the (laughs) angel hunting game, that's a different game for you, rich. There's a whole different game where you hunt. Which one was that flat earth? What? No, no. What was the other game? There's a game out of Mexico where you hunt angels. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to hunt the angels, bro. I want to hunt the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, this is what this are is. Angels sometimes the bad guys. I mean, there are 
There, <laughs> I have to say there are Easter eggs in the design of the book with the symbology that's in there. Um, there what? are there are symbols that are assigned to each character class that are aligned with certain like medieval like demo demonology like legends or whatever that kind of tie into the idea of that class dude i'm gonna so be tom hank if you yeah if you want to do research it. get that book you could look at the symbols and you can try to research oh where that yeah came from to see why it was picked for that particular class and so that's cool so that's yeah. cool yes yeah, so what, what are the classes then oh good uh, yeah, so if, if we want to talk about classes, uh, it's probably worth first clarifying just what the classes really look like in, in Hunters of the Occult, because uh, I, I think, depending on our gaming background, we kind of carry these biases of mm -hmm. what the word class means, yep. right? right? So yep. uh, I, I'm not going to presume what anybody assumes it means, and I'll just clarify what it means for Hunters of the Occult. So um, rather than games... Uh, such as Dungeons and Dragons, Dollar in the Jar, and uh, and maybe some others that uh, people are familiar with. Uh, Hunters of the Occult takes a class approach that's probably closer to things like Elden Ring or the Dark Souls series, where the the class is really your starting point. What? And it comes with your your package of here's what you can do right off the bat. It includes a handful of little things. Here is your niche as a class, they, they mostly fit into different roles really. Yep. And that is really just the starting point as your character evolves pretty open-endedly actually through a, a point by character progression system. So Ooh, it's like, nice. Yeah. It's not like your class is this linear track of, okay, when I hit the ninth level, here's what I yeah. get. Right. It's extremely open-ended in terms of the bonuses that you can acquire, both uh, combat oriented, uh, weapon oriented, uh, skill oriented, that sort of thing. And so when we look at classes in Hunters of the Occult, it's through that lens, which is it's your starting point and maybe a nudge in a certain direction, but by no means a locked in, you have to do this sort of thing. Very not OD&D. Very right. not OD&D. Very <laughs> or not. Or any D&D, really, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I guess uh, uh, I don't play the classing others. exists. I don't play right, the others. But, yeah, I mean, there's other. The, whenever you multi-class, you always get kind of punished, right? Oh like, yeah, 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 exactly. So, and so this doesn't sound like you do that. It sounds like, well, this is your launching pad, but you can go anywhere you need to. It here. feels a little bit like a video game that when I play, and um, you know, you went with Dark Souls, but there's other games that I I get some points, and I get to go. Well, I'm going to expand this tree. I'm mm. going to expand this tree. Is that kind of a good yeah, representation? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah you're like hunting a specific monster. What what happens when you're done when you've vanquished the monster? Oh, uh, well, uh, really, whatever you want. So it, it depends on the campaign, uh, I'll, I'll admit. So you can have your uh, Monster of the Week style adventure where you Witcher. go and you're tasked with uh, hunting down a werewolf who's in town. And that's just what you go do. You hunt the werewolf, you get your uh, reward, which would be this kind of meta experience that you spend to progress your character. Mm -hmm. uh, or you can... Uh, just have the monsters be on the side as you go through adventures, say exploring ancient civilizations or a broader cross world exploration where you're trying to hunt down uh, artifacts and relics of the past. And so it, it kind of depends on what your, uh, what your narrator is, what it's called for, for hunters, uh, what your narrator has set up for you. But uh, at, at the end, you could just call it a day or you could keep rolling with whatever adventure has been planned for you. Oh, very neat, very neat. Yeah, yeah, so so it's not just monsters. It's like, it's there's a lot of other stuff that you could be doing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So monsters are really kind of the bread and butter. Of course, the the characters are all canonically career monster hunters. But that's not to say that that's all you do. Right. Exploration and adventure, especially as we've developed our overarching lore, as we talked about before, towards um, things like ancient civilizations and symbology and relics, right. uh, is is absolutely something we expect people to explore with this book. That's cool. But you know, we didn't actually say what the classes were. So, oh my oh, god, yeah. I, I, I think we, I think Isn't we sidebarred. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to guess the classes. Oh, there yeah. is this we get. There's we get. Monster Hunter, right? Wait. So, our Hugh Jackman. There's Cyborg. 
there's a you know you got like they they use the idea of gnomes giving you extra implants. The <laughs> next class is what is, the, what is to, the value of this segment? The, the next class is going to be demon um, laced, where you've actually touched the demon earth and you, you made have a deal with the demon. You, yes, you have some demons in you. And the fourth class is holy. And though it, we're not going to talk about any religions, but it's like. <laughs> You're holy. Am I close? Am I close? 100% nailed it. That is exactly yes! it. That's every class. Just pack it up. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Wrap it up. Thank you. May all your rolls be crits. The, I mean, the gnomes. The gnomes. <laughs> if those weren't I, the classes, that they are now. In, in our history, I thought yeah. this was based in like human lore history of like monster hunting. No, like, seriously. I, let's hear the classes. Uh, well, no, I, I, I don't have my camera dumb. on, but I am like furiously tacking away, going, "Yes, holy, yes, a cyborg." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, cir circling back to what the classes uh, actually are. So we just have a handful of starting points. And really, uh, I, again, to reference back the, the premise here is that these starting points uh, will call back to specific roles slash niches that these characters should be undertaking or, or mm. assumptively are undertaking with them. So you have uh, your brawler who is ostensibly oh, yeah. the, the go-to tank for your group, right? And he's Dorn. going to be the best equipped uh, by default to take hits from the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, we also have uh, separately a doctor and a priest. Oh, and David. those, yeah. So those could be considered kind of like your support classes by default. They're going to have the starting kit that gives them the ability to, uh, to help out with, um, with uh, restoring health. And we have a second health bar in this game that we call sanity. And so that's <gasps> where the priest comes I in. I love sanity. So you're managing both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're managing both. And both of those support classes have their niche in both of those realms. And it's probably also worth pointing out at this point that not only are you managing those two health bars, which is, uh, to be frank, a frequent, uh, a less frequent occurrence, and more frequently is you're managing status conditions, which are based in those realms. So you have psychological oh, yeah. status conditions right. that you're keeping track with. We call those psychoses. You have physical status conditions, which are more intuitively just injuries. And so those support classes fill those uh, niches to help keep everybody healthy psychologically and physically. Gotcha. Yeah, you need those for a longer campaign, otherwise you're that, gonna. That's the idea. With, yeah, with or, or for particularly mean DMs, exactly. <laughs> and so, lastly, it—I mean—you can't have a game without your damage dealers. You got your guys who punch really hard, and so we have the ranger and the slayer for ranged and melee damage dishing out, respectively. So you have your your ranger who's more about sneaking around, setting up the circumstances, laying traps, and then laying the killing blow all in one oh, go. Oh, that's David. Yep, and I'm more the healer. Of people, David's yeah. more that guy. The, I the am ranger's more, the, more the planner. You're more that one. <laughs> I, I'm taking back my earlier comment. You're more the ranger. Let's get him. I'm more the let me heal you. I like to touch people and go. Do you feel better? <laughs> It's an appropriate touch, yes. I mean, yeah, you get it. Context is everything. If you're more hack and slash, you, of course, have the Slayer, which is, I'm going to get in your <gasps> face, I got a couple of swords, and I'm going to chop you to pieces sort of character. And that's, that's pretty straightforward. But uh, those five archetypes are the five classes. You have your DPS ranged in melee, your support, physical, and psychological, and then finally someone to take the hits. Okay, when does the Kickstarter start, and when can I get a PDF? It's already started, my dude. Okay, so when can I... I'm you haven't, go, I'm you haven't go back, back it yet, Rich? I'm going to go back it, and <laughs> when can I get the PDF to run a game? Um, we're going to actually... Once the Kickstarter is over, we will then send the manuscript to editing... Um, and then once it's edited, we're going to release an Ashcan PDF with no, with, it'll have the layout, but no like illustrations and stuff. Sure. And then, um, and then once uh, we get, so yeah, so if you back it, you'll get the, the Ashcan version of the PDF, uh, probably within a month and a half to two months. Okay. So what do I type in in Kickstarter to find this? Uh, oh, you would type in. 
you you would you would scroll down on your podcast app and find the show yeah. notes and click on the Kickstarter link. <laughs> what, what, okay, so if I was looking exactly at this moment, what would I? Okay, <laughs> Hunters of the Occult, I assume. Hunters. Yeah, you search for that. Not but but also it'll be in the show notes for the listeners at home whom this is yes. really for. I mean, not seriously, just... who listens to this podcast? Help, helping like four people. I mean, one of them is my mom. I no. mean, really. Your mom, we've already established that your family does not listen. No, they don't. You're right. You're right. The, no. the I, li- I, I listen to yeah. I listen to this podcast every time. Yeah. I'd have to say this during the pandemic when y'all stopped doing the podcast. I think that made you know that was that was, that was sad times, man. Totally, dude. Oh man. Yeah, that was, that was I'm so glad it's heartbreaking. Bad. Me too. Hunters of the Occult, a D6 Victorian era monster. That's it. I'm back in the project. Hey folks, Rich just did all of his research. <laughs> Um, uh, well, you just said we're podcasting. You didn't. Well, actually, you did tell me everything. And yes, so I was in a group. I was in a group chat with everyone, but I like to show up fresh. You're super fresh. You know, if you uh, if you if, if you back it, it's gonna ping my phone that you did. So you better say actually do it if you say you're gonna do it. I, I know. I'm I'll looking know. at which one I'm gonna back right now. I think I'm That's going good. with this. I think That's I'm going good. seventy bucks, bro. So you get, you get, it has two different covers. There's a limited edition cover and there's a standard cover. So holy shit, some of them are no longer available, bro. You need to go. You need to go open this back up. There was an early bird, and you were not an early bird. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, hold on, hold on. I, I want to. Okay, I want to go back and unpack the custom weapon thing, like the weapon progression thing that that you guys have put into this game. Can we talk a little bit about like what is a typical or possible path for a weapon? Because like, I, look, I've seen some wild anime, right? And I've seen some like great samurai shows where like the like the katana gets better as they as oh, yeah. they go, like the spirit becomes more active and shit like that. So can you talk a little bit about like what does the progression of the weapon and maybe even the character look like throughout the? Oh, game? absolutely. Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably back up a bit uh, again to talk about the premise, the foundations of the system. So uh, when you're starting off with a new character in Hunters of the Occult, you are going to be looking at first, as you're you know, looking to make your customized weapon, a list of basic template weapons. So they're left intentionally generic. It's it's very open-ended, especially for the, for the purposes of having characters say, oh, I want this to be not just like a longsword, but a katana or whatever. Right. And so you're looking through this list of uh, basic weapons, these templates, that will have their own flavor already attached to them. So as a sword will have a slightly better chance of hitting the opponent. Uh, an axe may be a little bit more consistent in dealing the damage, that sort mm. of thing. Sure. And so using that template, you're going to go through a catalog of various different modifications that you can select from. And they they are sorted out between uh, melee and ranged, and they are pre-selected for balance reasons, because for the most part, they are either in the vein of adding uh, numbers to your rolls for various things, or they are going to inflict status conditions, or they are going to mechanically aid you uh, with, with um, with different... systems within combat itself either defensive or offensive and so you're going to start off with that template and just a la carte grab the modifications that you want uh as allotted by the point by system that we've set up dope okay tell me more about status conditions because you know i played the d20 um board games from dungeons and dragons you know the uh, the box set and there's always conditions right advantage disadvantage uh poison slow blah 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 what are these conditions you've talked you've touched on it a few times yeah yeah well in the spirit of keeping this low to the ground and and i really should clarify that this game is intended to be pretty quickly absorbable by anybody i, I mean to be perfectly honest i was uh, I managed to convince my wife to learn this to help with promotional events and that sort of thing so she could come with me. Mm-hmm. And she has absolutely zero experience with tabletop role-playing games, oh, wow. with uh, video games oh, in my general. God. 
Wow. So if I asked her what her yeah. first role playing game would be, she would say it was this. She would game. say Hunters of the Occult. Yep. Oh she my have god! To say We're that. adding yes. a third category now. She would have yes. to say that. Yep. So my wife's first game is absolutely Hunters of the Occult, which is perfect. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, knowing that it's intended to be low to the ground, there are a handful of very basic status conditions. Hmm. Uh, one of which we already talked about, which is uh, in addition to health and just inflicting health damage as we traditionally think of it there are injuries which will inhibit the actions of the person afflicted in some way so an arm injury will prevent them from attacking you back in some manner a leg injury will prevent them from moving to some degree and so those are some of the status conditions you can explore in addition to uh the traditional stun for one turn and things of that nature sure sure yeah so it's like a it's like a like a combat critical like you, you were you were being like actively deterred. <laughs> yes, by, yeah. by, by it, taking these conditions. Yeah, maybe not so much of a, a death spiral as I think some people like to describe it, but you you will definitely find combat to be deadly even at higher progression levels. Wow. Uh, canonic- canonically, these monster hunters are going to become more famous as they progress. That that's that's the lore we've set up here. So right. even the yeah, more famous whole, like, experience. Section. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what it is. Renown, and so even the more renowned, famous, accomplished monster hunters will still find some amount of danger as they progress. This the, is pretty far removed from the the high power scaling of things such as, well, Dungeons and Dragons or, yeah. or any others that we could name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the 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 werewolf fans of the world will will, will know why I, I thought there was so much werewolf influence in this game because <laughs> mm-hmm. of words like renown. Uh, there are yeah, there's renown, there are werewolves, but uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. actually have a whole lot of experience with that one. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. It's, it's but all yeah, coincidental. Yeah, the the like notion of reputation being another thing that you need to grow in order to progress. Is there is there like a fame? mechanic i think it's less of a fame mechanic and more of a personality tag Mm. so a gm it is supposed to pay attention to the way that character people are playing their characters right because you know a lot of times people will be playing your character get all you know they'll get silly start doing something overboard you know, Never. and I mean, yeah, start no, saying I'm, shit like you've been zoninated. Yeah, exactly. You've been zoninated. <laughs> don't go hide in the bathroom you know, and talk. If you've ever watched a live play that has my character Zorn in it, you would know he's very conceited, full of himself, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, in that case, the GM would give me a narcissist tag, <gasps> and when you receive a tag, that means that like the people that you interact with in these towns and, and places that's that becomes what people know you as mm. and so the gm once you have a bit assigned a tag by a gm the gm will start playing the other npcs you meet as oh i've heard of you and you're a narcissist you're <laughs> going to start behaving in that manner you know the npcs should start behaving or interacting with the character based off the tags. That, that sounds like own. every one of our games, though. Yeah, did I explain that really? right, Stuart? Did I explain yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. We call them yeah. reputation tags, but that oh. is exactly right. And so even in early playtesting, we get to exercise this because I, I think everyone here knows how games go. And so, like, in one of our early playtests, we had one of our characters. He was, uh, he was a brawler, so he already had... Uh, bonuses for strength related things and he for whatever reason had a propensity to lift npcs to try to persuade them to do things so he uh, after several (laughs) yeah yeah it's like i'm gonna lift you and ask that question again right (laughs) as an intimidation tactic so after a certain point i say well you're picking up a reputation for lifting people and so the npcs from there were just trying to keep their distance so that they would not be lifted and because they had heard of his exploits before through this word of mouth, through his reputation gain as he becomes more famous. That, that's exactly it. And of course, uh, this can get as silly as any table wants it or as serious uh, yeah. also if, uh, if the table prefers. This is, this, okay, this is one of those I like great, that like, part. It can be funny and serious. But this is one of those really good like GM tools of like, look, mm-hmm. if your players are cheeseballing and they're doing this one thing a lot, Mark their reputation because that reputation yeah. will precede them. And now you have an in-world reason why people are no longer 
allowing them to cheese ball in this one way. <laughs> exactly. Just, it could be as straightforward as like, hey, you've been a jerk a lot. Your reputation is you are a jerk and people are not going murder to be forthcoming with you. Yeah. Right. Or a murder yeah. hobo. You are known yeah. as being a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> okay. So I got one more question in my on the top of my brain, um, which is let's talk about stats. Because you know I'm a I'm a six stat guy. You know, roll 3d6, boom, 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 boom. Walk down, strength, <laughs> intelligence, wisdom, you know, blah, blah, blah. Get to charisma. Um, what's the story like in this game? Is it six stat based? Is it 3d6? How's that work? That's a great question. And the answer may surprise you. There are not really stats in this <clears throat> game aside from health and armor. Oh, you are sacrilegious. Do you believe in a flat earth? <laughs> I don't even want to talk to you. I love you it. I love it. I love it. I'm Where is mute. your brain at? I'm no, muting Rich. No, I'm, back in the way. I'm totally so good. good. I got any... the notification that, that, that Rich backed it. And then after his rant right now, I just got the notification that he unbacked it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Rich doesn't believe in games that don't have six stats. This is what I've learned. That's so really I've had to constantly awesome, find it could be any six stats. It could be, we just need we've already named stats. two. We just need four more. Need four. <laughs> so there's really only two stats in this game. Yeah, yeah. And if if you could even consider them stats, right? But those oh. are yeah. So actually, no, I'm sorry. You could call That's it four really. because the same applies to sanity. So you have your your traditional physical health yeah. and physical armor, and you have sanity health. And sanity armor, we call it sanity class, of course. Uh, but those are really your only hard stats wow. in, in that traditional sense of the word. Wow. Uh, instead, the way the way the game works is you're mostly just doing the same actions as any other monster hunter, and you're asking yourself a question, which is, when I'm going to attempt something, do I have a bonus or a malice that applies to the situation? And so when you're approaching, say, like, I want to try to break down a door or I want to intimidate an NPC, uh, your character will have traits, we call them, which will describe their character ostensibly with a trait. So to say your character is strong and therefore gets a bonus in situations related to situations that require strength mm -hmm. or the same for intimidation and so on. You get to and like so really, yeah, you're, you're going to roll your D6 to try anything and then argue the DM that your bonus applies. And oh, there aren't there aren't strict classifications of well, okay, so in this context, this means it's a it's a dexterity check, and so we have to apply dexterity versus intelligence. Uh, describe what you're trying to do and argue for your bonus, and that's how the game works. I always getting, bring a pack of mini chocolates. I'm getting like really strong single player plus a GM, two players plus a GM <gasps> capabilities here. Oh yeah! If everybody oh. is a monster hunter, then maybe you only need one or two. So you don't have to have like the Cardinal Five party in order to be like minimally effective in the game. Yeah, it depends on how broad your characters tend to be as you're growing. So there, there's a pretty wide array of the things your characters could do and could specialize mm -hmm. in. I mean, certain things are pretty specifically detailed is okay so this this is how you do this and this is how you do that uh but uh if if you were intentionally building your character to go broad versus tall and you wanted to try to be a, a jack of all trades for different things you could absolutely try to do that it might take you a while but you could absolutely try mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I, and actually I, we have already won a game with two players and, and it works just fine actually yeah that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, really, if you set a scenario where you're trying to go get Eric Northman and, you know, it's just a couple of you, that's kind of good. But if you're trying to get a scenario where you're like clearing a whole vampire house, oh, hell yeah, you need more than two people. I mean, this right. really can scale. I like this. Yeah. yeah there's, there's a certain specialization. Yeah, there's a certain specialization niche that people find here as well, because uh, as I, I don't believe we've talked about before, but we have an entire monster codex, we call it, <gasps> that details the different creatures that you could be running into, and uh, of course, a, a useful narrator guide as well. Uh, but we do integrate that into character play, and the way we do that is by having the monster hunters, uh, the characters, be experts in different 
types of monsters. So we categorize the monsters into oh. undead. We categorize them into uh, beasts or demons, what have you. And so your monster hunter characters, one of the things they can build themselves as uh, is a specialist in demons, let's say. They get a couple of bonuses to uh, investigate demons, to fight demons, and will have canonically knowledge of everything within that section of the monster codex and, and apply that in the campaign. Yeah, I think the Monster Codex is really one of the things I like the most out of the game. Because um, the idea, I mean, this is taking place in the 1900s. So, you know, there's no internet, right? Right. <laughs> or the 1800s, Team. sorry. Yeah, 19, 1800s. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no internet. And right. so communication's hard. And there are these things called Monster Codexes that are typically like books that are kept regionally that have, oh, hey, I ran into this monster. And we fought it, and it was, you know, it was um, susceptible to fire when we fought it. And so I'm going to bring that information back to my guild, and I'm going to tell whatever scholar that we have that's there saying, hey, I ran into this monster. It looked like this, and it was susceptible to fire, and also, you know, it really likes chocolate. <laughs> but you know that was just an That's assumption me. that the monster hunter did but it goes in the book so in the book right. there's things in there that are written as factual that kind of leaves it up to the gm well maybe it's not factual right. maybe that's just some misinformation that was gathered from it and then that also lets us to kind of explore like as we expand later on after the release of the thing is that you can create more codexes that maybe this codex belongs to this guild that we've created and here's some information about that guild that you can join and this is their codex or you know here's a codex from some group of monster hunters in different locations around the world and you can start bringing in different kind of folklore you know monsters that are from different you know <gasps> culturals cultures and stuff like that yeah and yeah. you can almost do it allows like, for growth yeah and you can also do like like everything's in world Right. Like yeah. this is like this is the the NPC speaking in their voice mm -hmm. through these documents instead of like this is the canonical truth. And then the GM yeah. has to like extrapolate. They can like to look at what is written from the perspective of the scholar. Yeah. And right. Stuart's actually doing a really good job of that, too, because right now, like he's creating a lot of lore pieces uh, or writing them. And, and they're and they're from the point of view of like somebody who's writing in a journal. And so you're learning the lore of the setting by reading the words of a of a monster hunter that's come before you. And you're right. like, oh, and that kind of gives you bits and pieces of, oh, hey, I wonder what's up with that he was looking for. Maybe I could go and look for it myself or, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's cool. It's very like almost West March's style where there's like rumors of things in various mm -hmm. places. And it's like, cool, I can go check that area out and see if I can't pick up the thread that they were investigating that they had to abandon for whatever reason. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of creative room for GMs to explore, right? You have this, this kind of, uh, this system that's begging for additions and for people to add on to it. And right along with the custom weapons, I, I think we pretty strongly feel like the, the monster codex that we've set up allows for GMs to play with the space, add their own monsters and really get creative with their own monster settings even. And and just so you know, like we are going to make this an open license game. So if people oh. want to create their own and publish it, then they're more than welcome to. Oh, that's cool. That's really fun. Like, okay, if... that's an interesting comment because we chatted with some folks the other day. Did did I pick that up right? If someone wanted to kind of base something off of this, it's open license or is it? Yeah, what does that look like? How's that look like? Or is it kind of like modding? Kind of like remember how we would mod Doom? the uh, video game yeah. we would kind of put an overlay on it yeah so we haven't 100 finished creating the license we're still kind of discussing over the bits and pieces of it to then actually have it written out but uh, i don't know if you know much about the merc borg open license but no, it's gonna i do be, not it's going to be pretty similar to that where you know you can create your own things uh you can reprint a few things here and there you can use characters uh, you can't just copy the text of the book and reprint it and call it your own. Okay, but, that sounds similar. You know, yep, yep. Yeah, but you can you can use the rules to create your own stuff. You can create, you know, create whatever you want for it using this, and then you just kind of put a compatible with Hunters of the Occult on the on the product you're making. 
That's awesome. People know where it's from. Yeah. I mean, so like I said, we're still putting it completely together. I'm sure there might be some changes that may or may not be made to it, but the idea of, I think it's pretty popular idea right now is that you've created something and now it's like, we're going to create more stuff for it, but Hey, it'd be cool if you created things for it. Also, you know, yeah. What is the, can you kind of talk about like the, like, what is the advantage of doing that for anybody who's like, kind of considering for their own like product, you know, or, mm-hmm. or like just people who are interested in creating things like wh- why do yeah. an open license? Well, I don't, I don't know where the open license originated. I know that 3.5 was the first time that D and D used it, or three or whatever it was. And you just saw it led to an explosion of content that I uh-huh. think just really grew the industry overall. And yeah. then and it kind of has continued, but I mean, the fact that, say, like with more modern systems, you've got a lot of the OSR systems tend to be open license. Um, and, and so you see, like, so Merkborg, right? I, I can't, game stores can't even keep it in stock, right? Like, I'll go into a game store saying, hey, we want to run some Merkborg because we create content for it. And they're just like, yeah, go ahead. I, you know, bring in some people. Maybe they'll buy stuff. But but we can't even order the book. It's like they're always out of stock. We'll order oh, wow. a copy, you know, a couple of copies of it. We'll sell out, and then we'll go to the back to the distributor, and we can't get our hands on it. Wow, you know, and 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 why is it like that? It's because I think honestly, it's because there's so many people who create for it. If you go to on to Kickstarter, you're going to find two or three, four different Merkborg Kickstarters going on you know, like all the time. Wow. So there's just there's so much content out for it, and I think. And, 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 you know, that kind of goes to show just the love that people have for a particular system, right? Yeah. Like there's tons and tons of 3.5 stuff to the point where you've got even a whole company who just makes a 3.75, which is <gasps> Pathfinder. What? You know? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got me. You got me. Right. <laughs> you know, and that whole led off to a whole spinoff, like, like, I mean, there might be like the second largest RPG company Paizo is, and they're just based off a clone. Yeah. That they did of a D and D thing, Dude. but it, well, I think it shows a love for a game. So, if you create a game and you make it open license, if people like it, they're going to show that by creating for it. Dude, I think. Rich, you remember when we talked to Nord Games? Yeah, and do, all they do is yeah. make D and D five E supplements. Yeah, and their their game company is as big as like our Talsorian and, and literally, I buy so much stuff from them because yeah. I will repurpose it. They make yeah. such great supplements. Yeah, so it, like I totally get it. Like that that when you say it like that, of like this gives your product new life because there's so much like interest and in, and in, in that kind of thing. Like that makes perfect sense, and that's really cool yeah. for you to share this with the people to let them build off of it and and kind of make it their own in a yeah. In a cool way. And you know, if it comes out and nobody wants to make anything for it, then okay. But if they do, then I mean that would be that. Once again, I think that when you see that kind of adoption and the creation i think that means that you've created something that is might be special you know so yeah and it's a fantastic networking opportunity really just to get the word out about your game because you have somebody who maybe stumbles upon our kickstarter right and they see this cool game and they're like oh this looks really cool and they'll back it uh and then if they decide to take that open game license and run with it, they'll share that word of mouth uh, the, of the original game with their circle. And then it, it could become a chain of this, this word of mouth has just spread organically in a way that hard advertising would, would be hard to replicate. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, right. that's that kind of organic networking that you can get from an open game license is, is a fascinating potential and is, is also uh, worth considering if you were thinking about that sort of thing. Yeah, that's really neat. That's really neat. Well, cool. I, I feel like we've we've really like rounded the bend on like system stuff and now some business stuff, which is really cool to get yeah. some insights <laughs> there on on that front. Um, I'm trying to think. It, Rich, is there anything else that that you had top of mind? I do. I do have something top of mind, which is. When do I get my PDF? <laughs> That's really what I need to know. I mean, He's I'll back send on, you folks. a He's PDF. Back. I will send you a PDF. It might not be for this game, but I can send you a PDF. No, I don't want those pictures. I want this game. 
I mean, hey, Dave, Dave, hey, Dave I got you. I got PDF. you, Rich. I got you, Rich. Okay. I'll take care of you. I'll I want to run this. This sounds yeah, like dude. a blast. Dude, I, 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 love, I love the whole really Van Helsing, bad. like Monster Hunter vibe. It's so much, it's yeah. so good. It's so good. And yeah, I, love you know, I tell like, you, the illustrations look pretty cool for it, too. I'm actually pretty pumped with that. Yeah. Um, that was that Rob, uh, that uh, Ruben Moco yeah. from, uh, he's from Portugal and uh, he's a comic book artist and. <gasps> He does a really cool job, I think, overall. Very yeah, cool. Ruben Moko has absolutely killed it with our art. It's it's really brought some of the concepts to life going, yep, oh, man, I am so ready to jump into this, right? I mean, that that's what good artists do, and I, yeah. I think we, we have a fantastic one behind us. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a film score for, or it's like a, it's like a music score for a movie. Like mm -hmm. good art in a book is what helps really set the tone and mood for everything that you're trying to do. 100%. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, folks, um, I think what I want to do is uh, Scott and Stu, if you guys don't mind, like letting people know how to get a hold of you, how to find you. Um, maybe Scott will start with you with Storywood Games and all the stuff you guys are doing. And then, and then Stu, I know you have like a, an Instagram and stuff like that to talk about as well. Yeah, so you can find Storywood. Uh, we have a website, uh, www.storywood.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram. Now, Storywood is with an EY. So, folks, like, go down to yes, the show notes and click. Yes, it's S-T-O-R-E-Y. Isn't that how you spell story? W-O-O-D. No. What are you talking no, about, bro? bro? We don't spell it that way. But either it's way, actually, we'll, we'll have it in the show notes for all you folks to click on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you can go to our website. And then um, on Instagram and Twitter, I think we're just Storywood, at Storywood. Um, and you can find – those are the things for – we're at most with an is, I. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Huh? That's awesome. With an I? Storywood with an I? Or with wow. An e? With an E. No. E. 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 Okay. E. Y. E. You're going e. to mess so many people up, Rich. Let's <sighs> <laughs> do. How do people find you and get a hold of you? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, uh, wilding.stuart, which I assume will be in the show notes also. Yeah. I am actually just starting to get into that networking space myself as this is really the first project i'm bringing to market actually yeah. uh, despite the numerous countless games i've written over the course of my life <laughs> and so uh you, you'll find me on instagram with not a whole lot to share but at least some hunters of the occult goodies and potentially stuff down the road as well awesome awesome very cool well thanks to both of you for coming on and talking about some gen con stuff and some some hunters of the occult stuff this is really cool to like get kind of the behind the scenes look at like the game and the kind of business decisions behind what you guys have been doing and, and all that stuff. So, so thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank for you. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Always. Uh, everybody at home. Thanks a ton for listening. And as always have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. If you like our style, please subscribe or rate, like the podcast within your app. It helps fellow listeners find us. We really appreciate it. So thank you. To join the community, you can find us on Twitter and Discord, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to get connected and join the fun. This episode is copyrighted by High Shelf Gaming LLC and is not cleared for broadcast or syndication without written approval. The music was provided by Lil Funky on YouTube and our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. Take care, friends.